Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to On the Radar, presented by Pakistan Geostrategic Review in association with the Center for Strategic and Contemporary Research. I'm your host, Zaki Khalid. And this is Tala Ibrahim. Our featured guest for this episode is Kashun Liza. Kashun is an Islamabad-based analyst as well as a teacher and research associate at the School of Politics and International Relations in Kaidayazam University. Her research interests include conflict studies, Pakistan's foreign policy, the Indo-Pacific, international law, women's empowerment, and minority issues. We invited Kashun in lieu of a recent article by her that was published in South Asian Voices, an online policy platform hosted by the US-based Stimson Center. In her article, can CPEC help Pakistan revive its Vision East Asia policy? Kashun tries to examine in detail the hindrances behind Pakistan's economic diplomacy in Southeast and East Asia. She explains how Islamabad can expand on its economic horizon. And she also advocates for a revitalized approach to the region. It's a pleasure to have Kashun with us in this episode. Welcome to the program, Kashun. Thank you. Thank you, Zaki and Taha, for inviting me. The context of this article, that is, can Pakistan, uh, can China-Pakistan economic corridor uh, help Pakistan revive its vision East Asia policy, the context was that the Indo-Pacific, Asia-Pacific region at large is becoming the center of international politics. And we've been seeing that for quite a time over. And with that, we need a uh, the, the idea behind this article was that Pakistan needs to initiate a national narrative for engagement in the region. And uh, I tried to initiate a debate concerning that, and I tried to give a blueprint on how Pakistan could engage uh, in the region and what could be what could be Pakistan's posture. Uh, it could be economic, it could be strategic, and I highlight the economic and strategic part. So, Miss Lisa, you have cautioned that the geopolitics of ASEAN should not constrict the potential economic gains of Pakistan. Being a strategic partner of China, how well in your belief Pakistan cannot talk or refrain from towing the Chinese line on South China Sea when building trade and economic linkages with other ASEAN countries. Uh, Talha, you have pointed out an excellent point, and that's exactly like what you're saying is exactly my point in the article. I I can reiterate. I write that. Uh, there's the littoral states in South China Sea in the Asian region, uh, the Asian na nations. They are arrayed arrayed against China, um, against its territor uh, territorial disputes, against its maritime position. But I argue that that should not stop Pakistan from engaging economically with the region, and I don't think that should uh, that should pose any hindrance uh, to Pakistan because I argue in the later part of my section that Pakistan should pursue creative diplomacy, and in that section I write that the ASEAN nations themselves have uh, uh, have an, a, a credible economic relationship with China. For example, uh, the, the bilateral trade volume between ASEAN nations and China is around uh, 644 US billion dollars. So why should Pakistan, you know, uh, step back from having economic relationship with ASEAN nations when China itself and these ASEAN nations themselves are having a good economic relationship and also 
also uh, while writing this article i went through a study which showed that china is one of the uh, one of the arms exporter to asian nations so while these two nations are engaged in a direct conflict with one another they are also engaged in arms exports arms imports uh, so and pakistan that is on the periphery of this uh, conflict is not even directly engaged so why should why should we not pursue our economic interest and also uh, something that you could sense from my article is that we need economic engagement with this region we cannot engage uh, on strategic issues with asean if we do not have economic interactions with them we have seen that in the last year that our the lack of economic interactions with various nations costed us a lot on various uh, issues and i don't need to mention them one by one uh, we all know that so uh also we we um, on the official level we have this policy that we we are we are going to uh, advocate economic diplomacy at the official level so with that with that on the horizon i think the situation and the context is perfect for pakistan to pursue economic diplomacy and engagement with china strategic engagement with china should not hold us back and it will not hold us back right so my question kashun for you is that uh, you mentioned about uh, southeast and east asian nations we shouldn't just confine ourselves to the um, strategic angle or the economic angle but uh, you are uh, actually more strongly proposing that the the economic angle itself that there should be uh, more increased trade with asean countries and japan but my question to you over here is after having read your article that uh, we all know southeast and east asian countries have a unique socio cultural makeup which is shaped by a broader maritime heritage uh, pakistan well you know is uh, has traditionally been a land centric country we don't have that sort of a maritime culture with which we could uh, you know try to establish some links with these asean countries and japan so how potent do you think economic diplomacy could be in the absence of a robust cultural exchange framework do you think that that is necessary before you can establish any sort of meaningful economic links yeah so you see zaki the thing about cultural exchange is that you don't need to have a universal culture for it so the idea of having a cultural exchange is that you take a cultural aspect from their side and you give a cultural aspect from your side and that's the beauty of engaging with different cultures so you learn something from them they learn something from you so if pakistan do not has uh, do not have a a uh, uh, established or more pronounced marine time culture there's no harm in learning that from the south asian southeast asian countries right also uh, the southeast you you rightly point out that these asian nations and also the east asian nations have a marine time culture they have a collective history which is why uh, asean uh, is uh, developed as an uh, as a regional Uh, uh as a regional organization more so than the than the sarc while we also have regional uh, collective historical and cultural linkages but they are doing better than us but uh the point again is that while i i also want to point this out that i do believe that this gives india an edge over us uh india shares this marine time culture to an extent uh while 
it's not exactly the same but also if we look in the historical linkages we saw that there was a indianization going on in fact this this is one of the book by uh, Arik Regmar is a uh, Turkish author he writes a non-European perspective on the international relations history and he writes that India uh, there was a process called indianization when uh, culture was expanded from India the subcontinent to uh, and uh, I, I reiterate subcontinent because at that time there was no partition. So from the subcontinent, the culture is expanded to the Southeast Asian uh, region. So there's a there's a lot of uh, interaction going on uh, in the history. In all of these regions, you have Chinese uh, voyages coming in to the Indo-Pacific. You have Indians going out to the voyage in Southeast Asia. And so while do, we do not have a very credible history of Pakistan having engagement uh, with the Southeast Asian regions, we do have uh, a credible history of subcontinent engaging with Southeast Asia region, right? And at that time, there was yes. no partition. So India and Pakistan was one. So I do think that we can, I'm not an expert on history, so I cannot really give a comment on that. But we that can- That Indianization uh, aspect, I'm sorry to uh, interject, that Indianization aspect which you're referring to, are you talking in the context of the Project Sagar Mala, the shared cultural heritage, or is that something in a, in a more broader sense? It's a, in a more broader sense. It also incorporates the religious linkages uh, that uh, there, there's a linkage between the Southeast Asian nations and the in India. For example, uh, Buddhism and uh, all other religions, they expanded from India to these regions. That's what I read. I mean, I'm quoting Eric Regmar from uh, non-European uh, perspective on international relations. Uh, so, uh, interestingly, I was reading this article last night, uh, by, written by C. Raja Mohan, and uh, he has made somewhat similar argument about uh, the, the regional primacy that was there uh, during pre-independence time, when this was one uh, region, the subcontinent was undivided. Uh, and it somewhat uh, echoes your, uh, what you have just said. Uh, now, my next question from you is, uh, is, is, uh, is I want to know your point, uh, know your, uh, I want to get an understanding from you about, uh, because your core, uh, uh, your core argument is that Pakistan should make economic linkages with other East Asian countries under CPEC. So, uh, Pakistan tried to do the same uh, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, Earlier, we earlier this year uh, we issued this statement that uh, Saudi Arabia is interested in opening a refinery, an oil refinery in Gawadar, and uh, we made some statement that we are partnering with Saudi Arabia in CPEC projects. So there was some confusion when uh, this statement uh, came from a very responsible person, the petroleum minister in the cabinet. So how do you think China will react over uh, Pakistan's similar economic foray towards East Asian countries under CPEC? Will we see a repeat uh, of the same situation or will the situation be different? I think you have pointed out an excellent uh, counter argument. And in fact, I uh, I write that uh, argument while discussing the cons concerns over CPAC. In my previous article, which was published in May, uh, that Pakistan should diversify its foreign, uh, its economic uh, relationships, uh, while I uh, write that there are concerns over CPAC, and I write this as one of the concerns. 
But however, answering your questions, I I, uh, I I don't think that China will raise any concerns over Pakistan having economic in, uh, or expanding its economic engagement with South with Western Pacific region uh, under the broader CPAC uh, umbrella. Why do I think that? Because BRI, CFAC is a flagship project of BRI, and BRI is a regional connectivity project, right? So a regional connect, and what I'm arguing, arguing is that CPAC helps Pakistan advance its regional connectivity pursuits. So while Pakistan, for example, one of the points that I, I make in this, uh, in this article is that Pakistan should, um, uh, should have uh, a trade where the Chinese northeast and western ports and that allows pakistan to uh, have uh, to basically access the asian tiger markets through a uh, less transit time and lower cost and that's a shorted land route for example from gawadar to kashgar and kashgar to any northwestern ports which could be a chengdao port or the shanghai port and that's a regional connectivity project right so i don't think that there should be any concern because it it adds to the chinese bri pursuits that is regional connectivity and cpac is at the hub of this regional connectivity project so the, it's a flagship project so if cpac is adding to the regional connectivity pursuits it should not bother china and it will not bother china because china is and also uh I'll take this opportunity to uh, reiterate one of my arguments that I make in this article is that CPAC is viewed extensively through the lens that it access it allows China's access to the Indian Ocean, but it's not uh, you know it's not studied vice versa. How could CPAC enhance Pakistan's access to the East to the Eastern nations? That could be East Asia, that could be Southeast Asian countries, and it does so. So you know it's not. It's not going one way. It going. It's going both ways. So if uh, if Pakistan is helping China to increase its regional connectivity pursuits with the West, so CPAC is meanwhile again helping Pakistan uh, to increase its regional connectivity pursuits with its East. So it's serving the whole broader perspective that is regional connectivity. Uh, my question to you. Uh carrying forward from this very elaborate answer of yours kashun is that you talked about uh, pakistan if it makes efforts into this uh, asean region and the western pacific side then it will actually complement beijing's own infrastructural ambitions over there so it would be a win win sort of thing uh, which is a very favorite term of china but uh, if we actually look into the overall connectivity framework being laid out by china you see uh, as far as the Bay of Bengal and the Pacific Ocean is concerned, China has limited itself to uh, Myanmar. We have the port, which obviously is going to be a sort of a political risk for Pakistan because of the ethnic issue going on over there. And uh, we have to look into that broader spectrum. And then the only other project, which is uh, quite a flagship project, is the it's a very slow project, but it's the Milaka Gateway project in Malaysia, which China has been trying to make considerable investments in. But apart from that, the overall BRI map shows that China is actually uh, like Japan, it's looking west. China has made more infrastructure investments in West Asia, in Africa, and you know, in the ports of Europe. So are we, uh, are we not maybe going into different directions? And uh, as I mentioned about the point of Myanmar, uh, I'm so, sorry to sound a bit specific over here, but that is the point of convergence where Japan and India also, they are looking west into the Asia-Africa growth corridor. So they are also moving west. 
and we want to go into that place which is highly contested you mentioned in your article that it's a very uh, it's a zone the asia pacific theater is a contested zone so as from a business perspective you're talking about pakistani businessmen what sort of risks are involved would they actually be willing the uh, business community over here to uh, venture into that contested zone and that overall scheme of you know china not being not having that much of a framework over there so this is quite a big question and please take your time in answering it um i will i will answer it point by point one uh, you point out that um, the concern over how pakistan could engage with minor peace correct me if i'm wrong uh, but i think that the point for pakistan is to establish economic strategic relations with these countries and not to engage or kind of interfere in the domestic politics of, of what's going on there right so minamar is a very uh, a very contested uh, uh, i mean it's it's a very difficult country in that sense if i may say so because there's there's a lot of contestations going on there and china rightly wants to access the deep ports through it and uh, i mean there's a there are a lot of concerns over it there's military dictatorship and there's uh, thailand is involved in it uh, india is involved in it i mean you have regional actors being involved in it but pakistan for pakistan we first need to establish economic relationships i reiterate that again we need to establish economic relationships and not interfere into domestic politics of another state so that's one thing right uh, i don't think uh, second uh, you point out that china uh, china and other regional actors in east asia and southeast asia they're going west while we are going east and uh, that's uh, i mean Uh, are we going in the wrong direction i say no we are going in the right direction because as i mentioned uh, in the introduction that uh, what is the the context of writing this article was that asia pacific as i also write in my article and you point out it's becoming a theater of strategic competition you had germany just you know jumping into the theater just i mean uh, we were like in september so you, there's germany and there's the france is already inside i mean uh, australia has signed a uh, uh, defense deal with india so there's a lot going on and every day i mean it's rapidly international politics is like as we point out it's 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 an in a flux it's rapidly changing and pakistan needs to concentrate its effort or maybe you know or give divert its attention towards that side and i don't think that looking east is anything unusual or new uh because india already has its look east policy it has moved on to act east policy right and uh, we, and we don't want to you know major our steps vis-a-vis india we have our own policy we have our own posture and we need to follow that and let me add over here uh, let me add over to the previous statement you mentioned you see in your article you made this very pertinent point that the uh, the uh, maritime dispute in uh, the bay of uh, bengal and western pacific is actually creating misunderstandings between beijing and asean nations right so mm-hmm. you have that thing over there and now um, so you see you in the same article you mentioned that uh if pakistan in that environment it tries to you know use the bri banner and try to make inroads into the region the the reception over there might not be as productive as one would expect so are you in, are you suggesting i'd like to know this from you uh, whether or not you're suggesting that pakistan will have to go it alone and not associate itself with any chinese project to make a, a credible foothold over there 
Hmm. Uh, so again, I'll go by point by point. Uh, as you mentioned first, that there's a misunderstanding between the ASEAN and uh, Chinese, uh, China and ASEAN nations over uh, South China Sea dispute. It has gone beyond misunderstanding. It's a hot dispute right now. You know, you have you even during the pandemic, you had uh, I mean uh, these uh, China having. Uh, direct standoffs with uh, military uh, this naval standouts with with a number of nations so it has gone beyond being a misunderstanding and to being a hot hot, hot dispute uh, active dispute in the uh, south uh, east asia region that is the south china sea uh, also uh, I think uh, I need to clear that I do not point out in my article that Pakistan needs to go into the Western Pacific with a BRI banner. Uh, and that's exactly what I point out in my constraints that uh, Pakistan uh, needs to, like, there's a free and open Indo-Pacific concept that also very active in the in that region. So, and while Pakistan has the strategic engagement with China, it might, uh, you know, uh, 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 it might be a constraint for China on how, uh, for Pakistan on how it can engage with uh, with the free and open Indo-Pacific concept. But then again, I reiterate that be it BRI, be it free and open Indo-Pacific concept, Pakistan should not restrict itself to these only like to these projects. For example, uh, there's a blue dot network going on, which is basically uh, Australia, Japan. Uh, and the, this is basically a project under them, which is certainly positioned against BRI. But that's not our concern, because what we need to do is highlight or keep in focus our own national interest. So if China engages in the region uh, with any uh, uh, with any nation, whatsoever, howsoever, that's not our concern, because we need to point out our own national interest. Right. So there's a blue dot coming back to my point. There's a blue dot network. There's a Pacific setup. A blue dot network is also a regional connectivity project. There's a there's interconnection. That's that's basically the the highlights of these projects are mainly now these days they're they're in Papua New Guinea, and also there's a blue dot network that's funded by Australia. That's a local government uh, development training programs and uh, uh, and programs like these. So Pakistan could also you know benefit from these programs. So we should not just. Uh, stick ourselves to the BRI projects, uh, but also expand our options. And by expanding our options, I mean engaging with Japan in the free and open Indo-Pacific concept, with the blue dot, with the Pacific step up, or also we could, you know, create our own project, a project of our own, because Pakistan is creative enough to create a project of our own. And the reason I uh, I point out that, uh, I point out the CPAC element is this uh, in this article is only in concerns of connectivity. How could CPEC help Pakistan or, you know, uh, give give Pakistan a pull up to uh, have a deeper engagement with that region? That does not mean that Pakistan has to engage with that region in the in the in the sphere of CPAC BRI only. Right. So my last question to you is that uh, even the uh, once again, I'm trying to understand the fact that without any sort of, uh, you know, we have been focused more on the uh, West Asia, the Middle East, and now our uh, foreign office has been particularly focused on look Africa policy. Because I think what they've understood very well is that um, all these uh, great uh, economic actors are, you know, making inroads into Africa and all. Mm -hmm. So while your, uh, uh, your, the point which you're trying to reiterate, while it's very uh, ambitious indeed, and it's very pertinent, 
for Pakistan to expand its economic horizon, which is the crux of your article. But how are you going to once again, I have to ask this question that from a purely business perspective, how are you going to motivate Pakistan to establish better ties when, for example, last year we had the KL summit, which uh, proved to be a diplomatic uh, disaster in the making uh, that actually risked uh, trying uh, our relations with countries such as Malaysia, which is an important member of the Western Pacific. So, uh, so how is Pakistan supposed to maneuver or navigate in the region uh, without any sort of a great actor's guidance? How is that going to happen? What will push the system to focus on that part of the world? Uh, I, I just have to ask, uh, you mentioned without great power guidance, right? What do you mean by that? By that, I mean that uh, first we were uh, navigating Asia's dynamics under the patronage of the US and now we have uh, the Chinese influence, which actually uh, has a lot of influence on our uh, maneuverings in the foreign policy spheres. So uh, considering the dynamics going on in Pakistan, which will try its best not to uh, give any sort of impression that it is party to any of the major actors in the Asia Pacific theater, how will it mm -hmm. navigate about? How will it navigate about and chart its own course? Do we have that sort of systemic arrangement in place to focus on Southeast and East Asia? Hmm. So one, uh, uh, as you point out, that there's a looped Africa policy going on. And I think also uh, I'll take this opportunity while this is not part of my article, but I'll take this opportunity to say that this is also pertinent because, uh, I mean, I will quote uh, Robert Kaplan here in, uh, in his book, uh, Indian Ocean and the Future of American Power. He points out how there's uh, uh, China, is it, uh, India also, is it, India is advancing its way into Africa in juxtaposition to China's own pursuits. And also he points out that one third of uh, China's uh, energy needs, you know, are, are coming from Africa, while one fifth of uh, energy imports of India are coming from that region. Yes. So while you have you have your regional uh, actors actively engaging into regions around which are which are quite important region Indo-Pacific is a very important region for Pakistan. Pakistan also needs to engage. I mean, there's no time to think and deliberate, but to engage right now. Also, as you point out that uh, the second thing that you pointed out was that there was a KL summit and uh, there was initials and how could Pakistan businessmen establish, uh, you know, what could motivate the Pakistani businessmen? So the clear cut, uh, what do you call it? The, the rule of the business is it's, it's a cutthroat business, right? And the rule of the business is benefit, 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 wherever you get benefit. So you're going there and Pakistani businessmen are getting the benefit. So we are going to amplify our exports to these regions. So if you are going to amplify our exports, it's only going to benefit the Pakistani businessmen. Or even if, if the if the Asian uh, states are coming into the Pakistan, are coming into Pakistan, as I point out in my article, that Thailand is uh, intent to sign a free trade agreement with Pakistan. It's actually pushing Pakistan to sign a free trade agreement with it because it, it identifies it as, as a significant, significant part Partner. Also, it sees it as a as an, a major importer of the seafood and the raw materials. Also, there's an interest in Singapore on the side of Singapore. Their interest on Malaysian side in terms of arms exports. So, I mean, there's I just see interest and interest. So, but I, I ironically, have... but ironically, in your article, you mentioned that uh, the Pakistani Ministry of Commerce they expressed their uh, concerns that what they perceive as uh, an Indian design 
to limit their influence and their interaction with ASEAN. So, but here you have what you've just mentioned that Thailand is insisting that Pakistan should improve its cooperation. So, how long are we going to? Um, uh, how are we going to manifest our policy, the Vision East Asia policy? in a way which is more straightforward, it is robust and it, it is not hampered by these concerns about some schemes taking place against us or because obviously it is in the interests of our rivals, of uh, geopolitical rivals to try to limit our influence. So how will, will we have to keep our focus on our own goals and not look at these small hindrances? Um, so, I mean, while we can put blinders on, but we can just not deny the fact that there are going to be constraints. And especially given that you have regional competitors, you have actors that do not want you to pursue or have deeper economic interaction. So we cannot just deny the fact that there's not going to be any hindrance while we go on our path. Uh, there are going to be numerous hindrances, as I point out, that uh, the Pakistani uh, the Ministry of uh, Commerce and Textile cited Indian influence as the reason for Singapore blocking Pakistan ingress into the organization. I mean, that's one hindrance. There could be numerous hindrances coming up, and we just can't deny them. We have to navigate our way through them, and that again, I reiterate, that is economic. That's interest. a very good point. Even, also, uh, moving back to your questions. Uh, you pointed out that there was a, a KL summit in Pakistan. There were unfortunate circumstances, and I, yes, I do. Uh, I do point out that that was unfortunate for Pakistan to not join it. But or even our prime minister, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, made a point that he, uh, in when he visited Malaysia, he made a point for that. Uh, but I think the dynamics are changing. So when I say that the international politics is in is in in flux, it's rapidly changing. It's it's obvious that confusions and assumptions and uh, speculations are going to come up, and that's a speculation that came up about Pakistan that Pakistan is choosing camps. So are we really choosing yeah. camps? No, we are not. So we are not choosing camps. So the, uh, even there's a, there's a clear messaging on our uh, by by our uh, high officials that pakistan is not going to choose camps it's not cold war era anymore and even if it comes if that era comes again we are not going to choose choose camps anyway we we are going to go by our by our we are going to go by our own national interest and i think that should be the way um, moving on to your next question on how could pakistan navigate into the region without great power guidance i think Pakistan do not need great power guidance. Pakistan is mature enough to follow its own national interest. But there's also, I mean, we, but again, meanwhile, I also point out that this great power competition cannot be denied in this region. It's only going to uh, intensify in, in the years to come because I point out that Western Asia Pacific is going to become a hotspot for international politics in the years to come. So the great power competition is only going to intensify. But do we need a great power guidance to navigate into the region? No, we do not. If we need, I mean, I point, I, as I write my article, I did not articulate any need for a great power guidance because we have economic relationships. We, we have good relationships with these nations. We just need to uh, expand them. We just need to make them more better, right? So, we, and in that case, again, uh, there are also going to be a numerous constraints that are going to come forward under the broader aspect of great power competition. 
that I point out, for example, South China Sea dispute, India versus Pakistan, and that's going to only intensify in the years to come. But that should not never should it should never stop us from expanding and de uh, uh, or developing deeper economic integration with the region. So I'm assuming, uh, please correct me, Talha, if my overall conclusion from Kashun's talk is uh, incorrect. What I've understood and what I believe Kashun has tried to say over here is that uh, Pakistan needs to be independent, it needs to be out there and it needs to be persistent. There, Yes, there will be uh, uh, efforts to curtail us, yes, there will be some strategic or economic hindrances along the way, but, Pakistan, but the persistence I think is the keyword over here uh, and the will to move forward into an economic strategic approach. Talha, do you have something to say on this? Okay, so very interestingly, she said that, uh, Kashun uh, uh, said that uh, uh, we need to be, uh, we need to engage. Uh, you talked about the, you talked about whether there is a system in place. Uh, she said that we need to engage. It took India 24 years to uh, go from look east to act east. So they uh, uh, set up those uh, systemic, uh, they, they set up the structures in place so that they can have a more proactive engagement uh, uh, when Prime Minister Modi came into power back in, back, back in 2014. So uh, it's, it's a very interesting, uh, uh, it is a very, it was a very interesting discussion and I, uh, uh, yes, uh, we need to be more persistent. We need to be more proactive. You already have uh, bilateral relations in place. We need to make it more. Uh, we need to go more into multilateral arrangement we, uh, with other ASEAN countries. Uh, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. So did I. Likewise, and I just like to add over here uh, a personal note of uh, our thanks to Kashun Liza for joining us, and it is a pleasure to have her over here. And the fact that she is one of the very few research scholars we have here in Pakistan, as far as the emerging scholars field is concerned, who are studying the Asia Pacific slash Indo Pacific region and looking into the overall um, multi-dimensional aspects of it beyond just the strategic aspects or just the economic aspects in isolation. So Kashun, once again, thank you for joining us in this program. Your piece was uh, excellent. It was wonderful to read. That is why you were on the radar and that is why we invited you to this program. Uh, keep writing and we look forward to more discussions uh, with you in the future. Uh, for the audience, I'd just like to point out that uh, you're welcome to visit the description of this YouTube video. You'll find a link to Kashun's article on South Asia Voices, where you can read her perspective in detail. Uh, with that, I, uh, Talha and I would like to conclude uh, this session. Goodbye. Thank you.